0: Uh, good morning, if you copy of God's Word, Joshua chapter 1, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 this morning. Uh, Brenda and I are thrilled to be here uh, with you this morning, I feel like we're among friends, um, you know, who spent time with Mike and Angie, and great to have Pastor Paul and Sue here, and Dave, you know, just to, just having those relationships, and as I'm looking out over the crowd, some of you look familiar to me, some of you don't look familiar to me, but so it's great to to be here together. Happy anniversary. Wow, you guys are like so jacked up about this. (laughs) Hey, listen, this is how my my granddaughter would say, you're five years old five years old it's so so amazing to be to be that this is like a big milestone like every five years is a big milestone I know at my house every five years especially now at my age every five years it's like a significant it's a significant milestone that's when you kind of get together as a family and you pull out all the old photos right And you look back and you talk about, as Dave kind of worked our way through the timeline of the process, and we're thinking about, wow, like, just think, there were people praying for this place 14 years ago. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing, you know? And you think, wow, like, who are the people, what was going through their minds when they were thinking about it? Some of you who were part of that group are thinking, man, I'll tell you some of the questions we had, all the different things you you're thinking about when you started, how you started, I'm hearing the stories about your first anniversary and praying to God that the the fire trucks don't show up again this morning, you know, all these different things. That's what you do every five years, right? It's a milestone. This is amazing what God has done. So, so amazing. It's a look back, it's also a look ahead. You know, every few years, my wife and I will sit down on the couch and we'll go, wow, look at what God has done. Isn't this amazing what He's done? I wonder what He's got left to do. Right? Thinking about the next five years. Kind of reminds me of Barnabas when he showed up at the church at Antioch for the first time in Acts chapter 11. It says, he showed up and he saw the grace of God and he was glad. I'm glad I've been here this morning to watch two testimonies of God's faith, his transforming work, and two men's lives. Just, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. I'm glad I'm here to hear about the story of God's grace and how he has carried you along as a church. I'm glad. We need to You've you got to celebrate what God has done, right, and what he's doing. Some of you have been saved here at this church, Your lives have been changed. Marriages have been restored. Many of you have learned how to become a passionate worshiper of the Lord. Some of you are stepping out now and sharing your faith. Many of you have learned what what fervent prayer is like as being part of this church family. He saw the grace of God and he was glad. He looked back. It's a look back. It's so important. But not only did Barnabas... Uh, Not only was he glad and not only did he see the grace of God and he was glad, but he also exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And so today that's what we're going to do. We're looking back. We're thinking about all the great things that God has done. We're celebrating all the great things that God has done the past five years. But we're also looking forward, longing if the Lord does not return to see another five years of faithfulness and steadfast purpose. And here's the thing. I am convinced of this to be true. I am convinced of this that the only way that that will happen is if you are strong and courageous. And here we are in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. This is uh, an amazing story. Moses has just died, and now it's Joshua's turn to lead. If you just actually don't look at Joshua chapter 1. Just look at Deuteronomy chapter 34. And my is like the page right next to it Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 7 describes the kind of leader that Moses was he was uh, it says in verse 7 that he was 120 years old when he died his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated that's like amazing some of you have so for some of you those those words just go flying right over your head that do not fly over my head at all He was 120 years old. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And then it goes on and describes the kind of leadership he had in verse 10. There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And now you're Joshua, and you're following that. Right? You're following that. I mean, how would you like to follow that kind of leader? The reins of leadership are being passed, they're being handed down to Joshua in one of the most important moments in the history of the nation of Israel. And the question hanging over Joshua's head is this Are you worthy to fill Moses' sandals? Is this gonna work out? And God says to Joshua, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, verse two of Joshua chapter one, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. <coughs> be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to, be, uh, to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. <coughs> do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, Wherever you go, the word of the Lord to Joshua and also to us. Three times, God says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. It's a command, not an option not a wish, not a hope. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. And Joshua's success depends on whether or not he is strong and courageous. And so this morning, I want to just say to you, I want to remind you this of all the amazing things that God has done for you so far. And I've I've seen the grace of God, and I am glad of all these amazing things that God, your personal faithfulness to the Lord and your steadfastness in purpose depends on whether you or not you're going to be strong and courageous for the next five years. Your faithfulness to the Lord and steadfastness in purpose as an entire church family depends on how strong and courageous you're going to be as a church. So, Let's pray right now before we dive into the rest of the story. Father, I I sense right now that this is a room full of people who truly want to please you. They want to be faithful to you. They want to be steadfast in purpose. They know that in their own lives that they have much to thank you for. The grace of God is so evident, and they are glad of the grace of God. So, Father, I pray right now that you would help us as we glean from your word. Spirit, would you please speak to our hearts through your word as only you can do? Speak directly to our hearts and teach us how it is that we can be strong and courageous for you. Please, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is it so important that we are strong and courageous? Here's your first point. The reason why it's so important is because the opposition is real. Joshua knew that. When Joshua is receiving these words from God, he knew what God was asking him to do by taking the people over the Jordan. He was one of the original spies that went and spied out the promised land. Remember that story in Numbers chapter 13 here? Look at Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 and 28. When they're, as the spies are coming back and they're reporting on what they found out about the land, they said, we came to the land that, to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And then it says this in verse 31. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Well, that's what the majority of the spies thought. And there was Caleb and Joshua said, Yeah, that's true. They are stronger than we are. But we we still need to do this. And that's all part of the backdrop of Joshua's life. And here he is in Joshua chapter one. He knows, he saw them. In Numbers chapter 13, it describes them, the people they were like Nephilim, like giants. They're stronger, they were bigger, they were smarter, they were faster. They had more than what they had. They had all these amazing things that, that were going for them. They had that. He had seen the land. He knew what the people were like. He knew the opposition was real. So do we. We know that the opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ is real. It's real. It's it's there's it's true of our own lives, of our own internal struggles. Internally, we struggle with this real reality daily, a battle for our minds and a battle for our hearts, an ongoing struggle with sin, right? I know I am not the only person here in this room that every single day has a daily struggle and battle in the mind and the heart over sin. I... I am in Christ, so I'm not underneath the dominion of sin. Sin doesn't control me, but I still have this struggle, this ongoing struggle with sin to to want to be led by the Spirit of God, to walk in the Spirit, to be in step with the Spirit, and yet it's such a struggle for that to actually happen in my life. Hey, the opposition is real. Right? It's real. It's real. And then we think about our culture. Not only what's happening inside me, the battle that's going on inside me, but then I think about the culture. Increasingly, we live in a country, in a world, that is not friendly to the gospel and the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ. True? I mean, to speak of the image of God in terms of male and female only... In a transgender culture. Or to teach God's design of marriage that it is only between a man and a woman. Or to stand up for the sanctity of life. For the rights of the unborn baby. Or even against things like medically assisted death. Is it simple to do? It's not, this, it's not simple to do that. Why is it not simple to do that? Because the opposition, the challenge is real. It's real. When you follow Jesus, the challenge is real. We are commanded to be strong and courageous because the challenge to the gospel of Jesus Christ is very real. What that means then is that we can't be, even though the, even though it is real, we're called to be strong and courageous. So what that means is we can't be gripped by fear. You see this picture on the screen, this thing, this picture of fear. That's my greatest fear. All right, I am I am petrified of heights. Like I, I when we first got married. We were looking for an apartment to rent and it was very difficult to find places to rent where we were and we finally decided on the seventh floor in an apartment building and we had a balcony on the seventh floor and occasionally I would go out on the balcony but I would always be back up against the brick wall, right? Like it's like this. Oh, yeah, that looks real good. I hardly, I wouldn't, I, you will never find me up by the railing going, oh, hey, everybody, how's it going? No, I'm the guy, I'm the guy back up against the wall. I remember one trip we took out west, and we decided to go out, visit the, the mountains, you know, the Rocky Mountains. And we decided, hey, let's take a gondola ride up the top of Whistler. This would be amazing. And I thought, yeah, you know, okay, I'll stretch myself. It's not that bad. The gondola was enclosed, and... You know, I, you know, at the bottom, I I made sure I understood how it was all going to work, you know, it was going to go, there'll be different stations that we'll stop at, and then it'll go on to another one. So off we went up, The you know, we passed the first station, and, you know, I'm, you know, every occasion I would look down and go, wow, that's a really, that's a long way, that's a really long way down, you know, I hope this thing, I hope this... This little rope thing, cable thing we're on doesn't snap or anything like that. I'm thinking all, all worst case scenarios coming through my mind. And then we pass one station, and all of a sudden we're going to the next station, and the thing stopped. Like, it, can you believe it? It just stopped. Like I'm, I'm freaking out about it right now, even as I'm talking about it. It stopped. And then the people I was with, the people that I thought loved me, they decided to get up and, and kind of move around in this gondola that was totally stopped. And all of a sudden, it starts to move. It starts to shake. And I'm going, sit down. Everybody sit down. That's what it's, that's what it's like, that's what it's like to, be, to be afraid. When you're gripped by fear, you say, I can't do this. I won't do this. I'm not going to do this. You see in verse 9, in verse 9 of chapter 1, just kind of go down to the end of this paragraph, At verse 9. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He defines for them what it means to be strong and courageous. He uses two, two word couplets here to define that. On one side you have strong and courageous, on the other side you have don't be frightened and don't be dismayed. Being frightened and dismayed is to be terrified, is to be disheartened, it's to be shattered. To be strong and courageous is to seize something, to grasp something, to take hold of it, to make it firm. He's saying to him, Joshua, I want you to take hold of this. I want you to grab onto this. I want you to make it firm. I don't want your heart to be shattered or disheartened or terrified. In the face of the challenge that we know is very real, in the face of the opposition that we know is real, church, church, God is calling us to be strong and courageous. Calling us to be strong and courageous, not complacent, right? not apathetic, indifferent, or just detached, not trapped, not retreating but full out embracing the call on all of our lives to make disciples of Jesus Christ for his glory. That's what he's saying. Be strong, be courageous. You want to be faithful to me? You want to be steadfast in purpose? You've got to grab onto this. You've got to make it your own. You've got to hold onto it tight. Be strong, be courageous. Well, Okay, great. How do I do that? Glad you asked. (laughs) Three things. Here's the first thing trust God because he keeps his promises. Look at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. See, being, being strong and courageous is not something that you just muster up in your heart. It's not like a, it's not a marketing slogan or a motivational phrase that you put on your T-shirt that you wear every day. Or it's not two words you write on your bathroom mirror every morning. So when you wake up, it's the first thing you say, oh, it's supposed to be strong and courageous. So I guess I have to be strong and courageous. Yeah, I'll be strong and courageous. That's not how you become strong and courageous. It's not about trying harder. Some people think that, well, I got to be strong, I got to be courageous. That means I just got to try harder. You know, I gotta I gotta try harder. No, it's not about being harder. It's a product of trusting in the God who keeps his promises. And when we live in a world of, of broken promises, it's difficult sometimes to trust anyone to keep a promise. I think of the little boy who lived in a home where his mom and dad made promises to each other and then made promises to him only to find out that all those promises got broken and that little boy then grows up to be a man and he has a hard time trusting anyone. Why? Because he grew, he's grown up in a world where, where promises have been broken and to varying degrees, we all struggle with keeping promises and trusting others to keep their promises. But here's the question. Is God different? Is he different? Is he like that? Is he like us? Or is he different from that? Just think about, just think about all the promises. If you're in Christ, if you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that he has actually, he's saved you. He saved you. And you've placed your faith in that through the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Just think about all these promises. Can I have these on screen here? Think about this. Ephesians chapter 1 says that he has chosen you before the foundation of the world. Wow. That's a fancy word called election. He chose you. He's regenerated you. That's the, the work of the Holy Spirit on your soul to make you a new creation in Jesus Christ. He's allowed you to become converted. In other words, he's given the ability to actually repent of your sin and move in a new direction. You actually are moving in a whole new direction. Your life used to be going this direction, and now because of the Spirit of God in you, you're able to go this direction to his honor, to his glory. A total change of mind, a total change of of heart, a total transformation in your direction. You've been justified. Declared to be righteous. Really? Those of us who are not righteous, that's all of us in this room, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us is righteous. We're not righteous, yet if you are in Christ, you've actually placed your faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. God says you are, he sees you as righteous. He declares you to be righteous, not because of your righteousness, it's because of Jesus Christ's righteousness. You're in Christ. That's what he promised to do for you. He's justified you. He's adopted you, it says in the book of Galatians, that you are actually been adopted. God chose you and brought you into his family. That's so cool. He's sanctifying us, changing us, helping us work out our salvation day by day, step by step, year by year, moment by moment, changing us. All things work together for good. Philippians 1.6 says that he who has begun a good work on you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. And then this, this beautiful, beautiful thing that God has promised us, absolute glorification that one day, one day we leave all the curse of sin behind and we enter into the new heavens and the new earth and we live for eternity with God and his saints. All of those are promises for you in Jesus Christ. So I ask you the question again, is God different? John 10, verses 27 and 28, says this. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Is God different? Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, said, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on. Is God different? Acts chapter one, verse eight says, says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God, is God different? You will only be strong and courageous when you trust in a God who is different. A God who keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. Here, here's the second, second, our third point, but the second how. The second how is this. You can be strong and courageous when you put your confidence in God, knowing that he is always present. You see in verse five, in Joshua chapter one, verse five, he says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will, I will not leave you or forsake you. And then in verse 9, he says again the same theme. He says, don't be frightened, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Nothing is more empowering than knowing that you're not alone. And yet how many of us, even in a room this size, surrounded by all of these people, feel sometimes all alone? Even in your own homes or your own workplaces, even when you're in your own small group, is there not times when you feel like you're all alone? And when that happens, we tend to do really kind of crazy things in our minds and our hearts. We think, wow, no one really understands what I'm going through the weight of the world just seems to be on our shoulders we have no way that we can let go of those things listen listen to listen to this whatever situation you find yourself in wherever you find yourself whatever situation you're in if you are in Christ you are not alone never alone Let that sink in and transform every single day of your life. When you wake up, you're not alone. When you go to sleep, you're not alone. You're not alone. I mean, consider God's track record here. Look at what it says in verse 5. He says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Like Joshua's thinking, wow, that's important for me to know that. If you were like that with Moses, and you're going to be like that with me, that's pretty important to know that you're going to be present with me. And then I think about us. I think about, you know, what God was with a lot of people in Scripture, right? Abraham, He was with Abraham. He was with Jacob. He was with Joseph. He was with Moses. He was with Joshua. He's with David. <coughs> He's with Daniel. He's with many of the other prophets. He's with the Apostle Paul. He's with the Apostle Peter. He's with the James and John. He's with all those people listening to Hebrews chapter 11. Even the ones that we don't have names for. He was with them. That's a pretty good track record. And you and I follow, we follow, somewhere along the line, we follow. Our names follow the same list, and he was with us. He's with you, he's with me, he's with us. Verse 5 tells us that he never abandons us. He never leaves us by the side of the road. He never all of a sudden gets more interested in someone else and leaves us behind. I love that about God right? It's not like he's interested in you in one moment and then just loses interest in you and goes off somewhere else. No, no, no. He's always with you. He never abandons you. He will not leave you, forsake you. Hebrews 13, five quotes this verse and then says this, what can man do to me? Verse nine, it says, wherever we go, wherever we go, it says here in chapter one, verse nine, wherever we go, there's no place that we are alone. Didn't Jesus say that in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 when he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You want to be strong and courageous? You've got to trust That God is different. You can trust in his promises. And then you have to have this confidence that he's present right now, right here, in this place. The spirit of God is here. In you. And with us. This is a This is so holy what we're doing. It's a mystery that the God of this universe is present with us. And then there's this. If you're going to be strong and courageous, you have to do this. You have to be resolved to obey God's word. You see it in verse 7? Look at verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Be strong and courageous. Be resolved to obey God's word. Obey God's word. Did you see the breakdown? He says, Be careful, first of all. Be careful. That means you got to know it and you got to do it. Be careful. Then he says, Don't turn from the right to the left, right? This is the path you're supposed to be on. These words that I've given you, this is the path that you're on. Don't turn from the right to the left. Just stay on this path. It shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, say it over and over again. Rehearse it over and over again. Say it out loud over and over again. Don't let it depart from your mouth. He says, meditate on it day and night. Reflect on it. Remember it. Rehearse it. And then he ends Be careful. Make sure you do it. There's no other plan. This is it. This is the plan. No other plan. No other way, no other direction. This is the plan. What God lays out is what the plan. And we have to have a resolve to do what God wants and nothing else. This is the key to success, to being faithful and strong in purpose. You do what God is asking of you, nothing else. Where do you find that? In the Word. Live the way that God has laid it out, and no other way, it's found in the scriptures. Be the church that God wants as described and prescribed in the scriptures. Be the body of Christ, connected to Christ, connected to one another. Be the bride of Christ, be the family of God. Be God's house, the pillar and buttress of truth. Be the temple of God. Be on mission. Remember your mission. Remind yourself and affirm the biblical distinctives that have been established in this church. Don't reach for anything else. Nothing else. You will be tempted to be something else. Be faithful to God. Don't worry about anything else. You don't have to be more relevant. You don't have to be more cool. You don't have to be more contemporary than you already are. You don't, have to, you, know, you don't have to wear certain clothing. Just be who God says you're supposed to be. That's it. Wow. Right? That's not like a church growth kind of seminar. Have a resolve to obey God's word. I love that. I just love that picture. Barnabas shows up at the church in Antioch and he says, I have seen the grace of God and I am glad. Please be glad today. The Lord has done amazing things over the last five years here and he's going to do amazing things in the next five years. Beyond your wildest dreams. He's going to do that. I'm thankful, I'm just thankful for being able to be here this morning. I'm thankful for what God has done in Pastor Mike's and Angie's life this past five years. It's like the grace of God. I know that's true. I'm glad for that. I know many of you, you have experienced God's grace. Your lives have been changed, souls have been saved, your hearts have been transformed. Man, be glad about that. But be strong and courageous too. God wants you to continue to be faithful to him and with a strong purpose. And so remember this, God blesses a church that's strong and courageous. One that trusts in God knowing that he keeps his promises. One that places their confidence in God because they know he's always present. And one church that's resolved to be and obey God's word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Love your word. It means so much to us that you've left for us, you've left for us the word of God, your words, the teaching from your scripture that can remind us again of your truth. I just want to pray for this beautiful church. Uh, these people who have been set apart by you for this place, for this time. Father, I just pray for them. I pray that they would be full, their hearts would be full of thanksgiving because they have experienced and seen the grace of God and they are glad. Thank you for the last five years. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you've established here. Thank you for the foundation that's been laid in Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. And even as we look back on that, we give you the praise, Father, all the praise. It's not, it's not about men, women. It's not about that. It's about you. And Father, as we even look ahead, we think about the next five years, I pray that you would establish here an unusual strength and courage. An unusual amount of that spirit-driven strength and courage found, found in trusting you, knowing that your promises are true, found in, in having confidence in you because, because you are present and a resolve here to follow God's word and nothing else. Please, Lord, do those things. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.